Welcome to episode 12 of The Dive, already up to number 12. That's pretty good. This week, we're talking about Rift Rivals format changes, as well as the thought of a League of Legends Hall of Fame. True. We're also going to talk about 7.12. Oh, happy coincidence there. Uh, as well as Yahoo <laughs> Esports going under. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he was making a big deal about 12. 12, yeah. by the 12 way. Uh, uh, we're also going to talk about NALCS and the three-way tie for first place. Not the three teams and expanding might have been to, expanding to 12 teams. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. First bit of news we're going to touch on though is Rift Rivals format being changed from a three-day event to a four-day event. Interestingly enough, Jat, Kobe, and Azale are all going to Rift Rivals from North America. That's so interesting. This is close to our hearts and this is actually interesting. Um, <laughs> extremely right. so. Tell us how interesting yeah. it is. I-, I could let you guys start on it actually. I'd, no, no, no. no. Go ahead. The part is that we gave feedback on because they were iterating on the you know possible formats for this uh, and, and our feedback actually I kind of liked I really did like the Kind of what is it, King of the Hill? You know, all kill, all yeah. kill. Well, the the term for let's touch on what we're talking about. The previous, previous format. format was two days of group stage where mm-hmm. every team played everyone once, and then that would seed this best of five where the number three seeds would play each other first. Loser that is out. You played then the number two seed, and it's basically the all game. the way until one region has won three games. Mm-hmm. So you may not see the best team from region if their region is super successful. We really liked that format, but essentially there was a lot of Reddit feedback and. A, apparently pro player feedback about wanting to play more games where the group stage has now been expanded to three days where it's a best of like double round robin best of one for everyone so double the amount of group stage games and the final no longer has that all kill format but instead now has the number one team from each region based on the group stage best of five yeah and and i mean for me like the new format has more competitive integrity if you want to call it that like if, if we're looking at the most competitive possible event where we crown the best possible team mm-hmm. this this is much better for that i just like the idea of it being a different type of event right you know not kind of like a world's junior type thing it has its own identity and i think all kill for me is also kind of uh, near and dear to my heart because you know i grew up watching a lot of primarily esports with starcraft and all kill was a big thing in starcraft for all the team leagues i thought it was super exciting and even you know in starcraft 2 when they had uh worldwide all kill format and stuff and it's a very cool format to me because you can have these potential sweeps you can have upsets and like there's it's it's played in a much different way it's played like as a, a team as a whole like mm-hmm. north america is a team rather than individuals exactly the part i liked about the old format is that the other two teams that aren't the top team get involved yeah. in the finals so we see everybody involved right. in the finals and as a team you can come up with all right phoenix one yeah you may be sucking real bad right now but we got this cheese strategy so we're just gonna try it out yep. the opener game you know and maybe you move up a notch and that format also had the chance of these crazy upsets. Those are super exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people possibly, like, taking on multiple teams that are not expected to, to take down and, like, moving up. Um, I just thought there were a lot of cool other aspects. Mm-hmm. This format, I'm not, like, super sad about. I'm not like, oh, yep. this is terrible format because it's very standard. It's still um, EU versus NA. You're going to get to see more yeah, games of the US for NA. And, and it's weird because I think we generally have a slightly different reaction than Reddit. We're filming mm-hmm. this at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesday. Seems like everything was positive. The announcement just dropped like a, an hour or two ago, and everyone on Reddit seems to love it because that's the vocal people that were asking for the change. But to me, I, I wanted Rift Rivals to actually be um, like a little more volatile because, like you say, it's not a world championship or an MSI replacement to me. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked it to almost... 
I like the debate of EU versus NA. So if someone wins, I almost like having that. You want a built-in excuse for NA when we lose. No, I want a built-in excuse for EU for when they lose. But either way, like the more games you play and the more definitive your result becomes, the less fun the trash talk is, right? Because what are you even arguing for if if NA goes like 0-8 in group stages and then gets swept in the finals? Like, well, this wasn't very fun. But if they get swept, it's like, ah, jet lag, best of ones, blah, blah, blah. Especially And I I, I like that level of fun. Yeah, I mean, the, for the one with Korea and stuff, like that one, you know, if you play, like, we already know. Well, that, that was Korea... already going to be a different format. Yeah, though. that's true. Yeah. Um, but I, but just like, you know, when I'm thinking back to the StarCraft days and stuff, it's like Korea was even probably more dominant in StarCraft than they are in, in League. Like, I, yeah. I actually think that's fair to say. You know, yep. there were so many players at the top that smashed everyone from the other regions. It was not like it was just an SKT or top teams. Um, and I remember having the, this all kill thing, and it was like the world versus Korea. It wasn't one one country versus Korea because they <laughs> no one would have stand it, stood a chance. But even in the world versus Korea, uh, you know the world is supposed to get smashed, right? But there was this one time where they actually like one guy Demaga had an all kill on Korea, and it was just so exciting because you know they were doing cheese strategies and things like mm-hmm. this, yeah. and they played some very good standard games too. But it's it's cool to see like that. It, it was a different mindset, right? Like, and maybe the teams. Um, haven't watched that or wouldn't have adopted it. But like to your point, if if P1 is like buying into the playing for Team NA, maybe you do something really cheesy and, and really crazy that the other team isn't expecting so you can try to steal a game off them, especially if you get further and it's like, oh, okay, well, your number one team from NA is still alive. C9, try to do some crazy shit against G2 and knock them out. And if not, we'll play a standard game. Exactly. It always comes back to that for me because for these things are, are supposed to be kind of about your region, right? Uh, and then our new format kind of separates all the teams where yeah. it doesn't really feel like Cloud9 and TSM are going to be on the same team. It's just like, all right, everybody play, and, you know, whoever's the best, then go try and take down your Yeah, best. not really NAV. It's kind the of the team. difference between this is an international event with European and North American teams, or this is yeah. the event that is pitting, like, Ryder Cup-style NA versus yeah. EU where everyone kind it's of— It's not Team America or Team yeah. Europe. Honestly, we haven't seen it yet, so yeah. we don't really know how it's going to play. Maybe the extra games will Oh, I know how it's going to play. You know I saw the go. script. You thought the original format was better, <laughs> and this format isn't necessarily that bad, but for once, we're disagreeing with Reddit. Yeah, for and once, powerful news. <laughs> ah, I see what you're doing there. Yes, for <laughs> once. And the the event is actually, I, it could still be so much fun, right? Like, and I'm very excited for it. Um, it's all just going to come down to how good are the games, how competitive yeah. is it. I am hoping that both like both the regions can put forth some competitive games. I know people like aren't aren't super uh, happy with the fact that you know some of the teams that aren't doing well are going and whatnot. You know, with mm-hmm. P one especially. Um, but when you look at we we're going to talk later about our, our top three teams. None of those top three teams yeah. that are tied for first right now are going for NA and stuff. Nope. So it's like you know that already baby a, as an NA fan, like as someone who's like, oh yeah, ho- hopefully we can have competitive games. That's uh, a little bit scary. You're like, oh god, if, like Europe is a very strong region. If we're not sending yeah. our best, I'm gonna keep up the facade. Europe sucks. NA's the best. Yeah, That's okay. the way we're going into Rift Rivals. Uh, next thing we're going to talk about is the Hall of Fame. And I can remember people talking about Hall of Fame three years ago. Be like, man, when are we going to get a League of Legends Hall of Fame? First year of LCS, we were even like, all right, so uh, yeah. we're going to make a Hall of Fame here pretty soon? Or Yeah, I, you guys probably have your own opinion. I don't like, I think we're way too early to talk about the Hall of Fame because I'm a traditional sports fan and legitimately... Other different Hall of Fames have slightly different criteria. So, you have to be retired for five years to be eligible for the Hall of Fame in those sports. Yeah, that's I was, not, it's not always true though. Like there are some exceptions where pro players have been inducted like very quickly. Also, I was gonna say though, Maybe like for, like Gretzky or the this the the span of like uh, pro player careers in esports are much shorter. So maybe the time that you would have to be retired would would also be uh, shorter. 
regardless, though, I think I think it is a bit early because we we even if you start thinking about it right now, you maybe come up with a, a couple names, right? Yeah. And you're like, ah, worldwide, I think it's easier, and you can have like, oh yeah, yeah you know, someone like Messiah or something like that. Um, and then you even have to figure out how do you balance the regions. Do you have an NALCS Hall of Fame? Do you have yeah. a worldwide Hall of Fame? Is, is it, it, a is of it full of, of SKT fame? players? Is it every player is who's it played all on Koreans <laughs> and Uzi? Like, what what would it be? Do you have any ideas? I mean, to to me, like. One of the things when I was uh, I saw a post on Reddit a while ago about this, and I was I was reading that, and I was kind of interested in the, in the topic. And most of the League of Legends discussion I've heard around it is like the best possible player goes in the Hall of Fame, and it's not always just that. Like you know, if you look at like Baseball Hall of Fame or yeah. Hockey Hall of Fame and things like that, like I've gone a few of those. It's people who have made contributions to the sport, people who have like been you know notable for various reasons. It's not just that you were the best player in the whole world. And, and for reasons like that, you know, some of the players that I think of, like like guys like Hotshot GG and Reginald and stuff, like you don't have to be the faker to be going in. But like you know, Hotshot GG was one of the original like massive streamers, and and you know, mm -hmm. and, and now owns like CLG and all these things. So like someone like that to me, those contributions would get you in. Um, and it doesn't just have to be about being faker. Yeah, I mean, there are other things that you would take into account, right? Like how big of an impact they had on mm -hmm. on the the history of the sport, yep. basically. I think we're seven years in. I, I want to think about when we're fifteen years. In. Like <laughs> that, it's so, the Hall of Fame to me is such an old timey tradition in that sense. Yeah, things things that started also popping in my mind were like, okay, so like there are some important even like plays that are named after players, like Insect. Mm -hmm. Insect is has been playing he's been playing by the way for the last couple of years and he's just, still playing just in China. not very well and mm -hmm. you know bouncing around lspl and, and LPL i mean and he'd stuff be in and, there and but exactly he for me he would he's still such a a big name and and big player even though he actually didn't even have a very long impact on the scene yeah. it was only a, uh you know a couple of seasons where he actually was a, a top jungler yeah two years pretty and, much and even i mean like another guy who, who went downhill expecte right like I, I that's a guy who like you know like, so like he, he had a lot longer impact yeah though, but, I, but i mean just I, i'm talking about like more recent years right like when people people who are more recent fans and stuff and if you think about him on his like origin days and stuff at the end playing support and playing ad and these sorts of things you know so like, to me expecte is a well, I, I'm not clear on your point because Xpeka has literally been involved in League of Legends since the very beginning my, my up is, until now. My point now. is just that you don't have to be like can, performing at the highest yeah, yeah, level yeah. to okay. be able to still go in because he had massive contributions and was really good for so long. I just I'm saying that like having recent years where you weren't performing at that level does not take that away, right? Yeah. Just like you know, if you want to if you want to make the argument that like Dyrus would be in it, being like, oh well, he's on a challenger team now and he sucks, <laughs> uh, so he shouldn't get. Like, I, I don't yeah, think anybody so, ever I mean, makes that point yeah. for Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> no, They're usually but, like. Oh, super old and like got beer bellies and stuff. And they're like, ah, yeah. people, people, hit him in people now. do though. People like make the arguments as uh. far as like if if the end of your career and stuff was like was less consistent. Mm. People talk yeah. about like how how good were you for how long? You know what level of consistency did you maintain? So having weak years at the end of your career and some of the players who stick around for the love of the game and stuff can be hurt by that on their ballots because if you're being compared to someone if you play 15 years and your last three weren't so good someone plays 12 years and stops before they like fall off or whatever they could have like a better yeah. better uh, nomination i just feel like there's an absurd amount of hurdles before you even begin thinking about like you're talking about the hall of fame ballot who votes on the hall of fame ballot <laughs> yeah, how I many see. you know chinese lpl casters versus lck casters versus regional influence versus domestic hall of fames i i feel like if you're ever going to do it 
in several years, it would almost have to be regionalized to the league. And then you would have also like an international hall of fame, but then you're getting so spread out. It becomes super confusing. I'm just, I'm just not sold on this at all, but I will, I will say like time. call it hall of fame or not. I, I like the idea and I think it is of cool. Commemorating people. Um, I think it's comm- cool. the commemoration of players because like e- even just as something where it's like you show up to the NALCS studio and you know, a world in which there is like a, like a hall or like an area where it's, mm-hmm. it's something attached to that, that you come and you get to see like these great plays commemorated or these players who have contributed yeah. a lot. How else will all the new viewers know that I was once a great Amumu. There you go. <laughs> Kobe would not make the playing Hall of Fame. But... But maybe the casting Hall of Fame, you could be in there. You know, I'll vote for you. But um, I, I think that it would be cool just like just to commemorate some of that and, and to you know acknowledge some of the history. Like I, I'm not saying that you open it up and you have to put 50 players in your first year or something, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, if you open it up and one player gets inducted, that one player you feel confident or one person you feel confident has made those level of contributions. Yeah. Like to me, you don't put a requirement on how many people have to go in. Yeah. I, I just like it as a way of passing on history basically. Yep. And it's kind of a discussion of how how long do we have to exist before yeah. we should do it. Like the concept for sure. Other thing we got to talk about is some uh, kind of sad news, the dissolution of Yahoo Esports, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis tweeted about it. There's a lot of people. That's what we put in the story lock, uh, doc. Basically, Yahoo Esports is gone. They released kind of all their interviews, uh, all of the staff there. Yahoo and AOL apparently are forming this new company called – I can't even get the Oath. name. Oath. Yeah, they were bought by Verizon. It's basically kind of like a merger thing where they're gone. Um, and we just I kind of want to talk about the impact that versus other third-party media has on the scene. Um, do you want to start off? I'm, I'm personally kind of sad to see Yahoo Esports go, but I also feel like there's other alternatives. Travis will continue doing interviews. Blitz does a bunch of content. Mm-hmm. I, I like seeing those level of player interviews come through. And I don't know, I wanted to talk about kind of our importance and the thought we have on those things. Yeah, I, I think all of the people that were hired are going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're, they're all very, you know, important and influential people as far as the, the third party media goes. Uh, the Yahoo thing is a specific thing because they got bought out, right? Yeah. And and maybe you know Yahoo Esports. I saw some people like commenting it wasn't doing as well as a whole. Whenever you get bought out like that, there's going to be a lot, going to be a decent amount of cuts. Uh, I don't think it it was cut because like that type of thing can't be successful. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think it does point to that. And people were also like, oh, this is right in time with the the wiki, the wiki also you know kind of going under. I'm not I'm not as scared as like I don't think it's like the third party media apocalypse mm-hmm. or something for League of Legends. Um, and, and I think all those people, you know, will be able to find other organizations like Blitz Esports to me is, is a, a, like a kind of a beacon right now. They, they've been doing really good work. Uh, and a lot of the content I really is like super valuable. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting kind of like as a discussion as part of the whole thing, as far as like the evolution of, of like internet media and then like, and this sort of third party content and mm-hmm. how it actually should exist. And, you know, I, I don't think that it's going anywhere, but maybe it has to change. Maybe it has to evolve. Like when you're looking mm-hmm. at ESPN and, and stuff, there was like a massive amount of layoffs with ESPN. A lot of writers and, and people who were, you know, writers, reporters, guys who had been around forever, who were people were very attached to, who had done, you know, incredible work and stuff mm-hmm. were getting fired. And there's a lot of discussion about like, you know, comparing personalities like Stephen A. Smith, guy like that to, you know, a really good writer. And if you're the content you're creating is not creating a lot of discussion, is not getting a lot of clicks and stuff, then it's like hard for it to exist oftentimes. And that's it's why true. you see like the clickbait titles. And that's why you see all these things. And yeah. it's like, 
you know, a well-researched long article about like the life of Kobe may not get as much as like a headline where it's Jad is just like, you know, t- ripping on FlyQuest or something, right? So it's like, <laughs> oh, class, perfect yeah. example. So, so, but you know what I mean, right? So it's like, even if, like, it, it's it's more barrier to entry. Like, you have to be really interested yep. in in what Co- Kobe's life is. You gotta get like. those upvotes on uh, the first like hour or something on Reddit. Yeah. It's the most so, important. And this is another thing I wanted to, to loop in Reddit a little bit, but even talking about the number of views they generate, I remember when Travis was with GameSpot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually used to crush the view numbers of all the other like games, GameSpot video mm-hmm. stuff that they would release on the website, generally because of Reddit. And for those of you who don't follow it, like Reddit is the lifeblood of third-party content creators in a lot of ways because that is the hub where a lot of people that would look for this kind of hardcore content go. Uh, and just kind of throughout history, you used to be able to, so to speak, link a Reddit thread in a Twitter, say, check this out, and then your Twitter followers essentially just shoot you to Reddit and then everyone gets to see it. They banned that, which I think is good yeah. because <laughs> you'd have these people with 200,000 Twitter followers, all their articles would always be at the top. The problem we're in now is that people still see the front page, but what gets to the front page is really hard to decide because you essentially have to follow new and rising on Reddit, which I'm bad at this as well. I try and go there more often, but basically something can be out for an hour or two, can be good, get three or four upvotes, and then after a few hours, it'll be on the second page and then like maybe makes it to the front page because however it performs by that incredibly, incredibly small subset of people that voted on new or rising is, for the most part, what dictates whether or not it has success on Reddit. So personally, what I need, what I need to try and do is go to those parts of Reddit more often and the type of content that I want to see, I need to find it there and give it upvotes. Also, I need to follow Blitz. I need to follow Yahoo. I need to follow the content creators I do on social media and get it up there. But you hear me talking, that's a lot of work, right? To get that stuff done. And it's not always as easily done to get this stuff up there. Yeah, and I mean, it just depends what you use, right? Like for Blitz and stuff like that, like I, I follow them on Twitter. That's like, that's how I find most of, of the mm-hmm. third party content that I actually watch because I don't really go to New Horizon ever. Um, but I just follow the content yeah, creators that I like on Twitter, either. like when I like Travis and people like that and Blitz and, and <laughs> whoever. trying to enlist me. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just see the YouTube videos and stuff posted on their Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. You, cause you can't link the Reddit thread, but you can, you can go there and then you're giving them direct views through that. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's obviously way different ways to support it, but it, it is interesting discussion and it's, it's, uh, it's a weird place kind of, or I don't know if weird is the right way, but where Reddit can decide, like, you know, the first few votes or first few people that see it decide whether you have 100,000 views or 5,000 views or whatever, which can yeah. essentially decide if your content continues to be produced or not. Well, I mean, look at uh, <clears throat> a lot of the stream highlights that end up making it to Reddit. Mm-hmm. I feel like the reason that the, like, plays.tv things that make it to the top of Reddit is you have 10,000 people watching a stream, yep. something epic, ha- epic happens, everyone on chat's like, oh, clip that to Reddit, clip that to Reddit. Someone clips it, everyone shoots to new, and then they get the immediate upvotes, and now it's there. But that doesn't happen with a feature that Fion writes on ESPN, yep. or even, in, like, an episode of The Dive, which, which our content as well, we have other channels we can use, like the Lolly Sports Twitter or the client, that help us and kind of make us a little bit immune to, like, the Reddit thing that controls so much well, of the other stuff but it, it's it's a different world where stuff like the stream clips will almost always succeed whereas when you're, for written articles there's, when you're well, there's, also, there's also content, two parts of that like they there could just literally there's more people that are that want that content that want to watch a play than mm-hmm. rather than eat than read an article i i feel i yeah just as a feeling i feel like that is true there are just yeah. more people that want to watch that um and it's not 
always about yeah. uh no it doesn't have to be malicious or anything like that like yeah. people it, it's fun and, and i'm guilty of that too right it's it's fun going to reddit and watching all the all the highlights and stuff from the previous night like i think that that is fun to do um but it does like i also think that there is a lot of good content that doesn't get seen but at the mm -hmm. same time there's a lot of uh good content that does get seen because people can't just like have all their stuff upvoted mm -hmm. like you know, just because you're popular like some of those videos and stuff like the highlight videos are not from popular streamers right like they're from guys who like um one of the people at ll styles or whatever yeah. like he the zed one trick who's been releasing some stuff his stuff has gotten up there and i've seen his stream get big and it seems like kind of off of reddit because he released yeah. some some of those uh highlight videos and his compilations and they're pretty sick and now he streams and he's getting uh kind of up there because of it uh going to the meta focus obviously uh solo queue updated to patch 7.12 in the lcs we talked about the patch itself last mm -hmm. week in Solo Queue. It's now been out for a week and will be going to the European and North American LCS this week. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is going to have the largest impact now that you've played on it for a week, Kobe? I just got excited because um, Rek'Sai just got a ton of buffs and uh, she, she had a very big problem of, you know, being able to dodge the ultimate, right? Mm -hmm. um, not only was there, you know, changes to that, which it, it's hard to kind of quantify that, but then she just got straight her, you know, uh, you know, attack damage uh, ratio bonus is doubled on the unburrow and then, you know, more base stats. So I think that she's definitely going to show up as well as I was intrigued by the Camille buffs. Cause I want more than just like Fiora in the top lane. I was like, yeah, let's get a split push champion. Yeah. Mm, Fiora's the best. Yeah. Uh, get in. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, you know, Camille and, and her mobility is, is pretty, pretty fun to watch. So I'm very interested to see like if this is enough. It's a little bit of early survivability in the lane because she gets her passive a bit more. Yeah. Um, and then the second activation of Q, so more damage basically. Um, and, and those are the kind of picks I feel like might make a comeback here in 712. The obvious one to bring up though is Locket. And I know you guys just yeah. go You're off just on Locket. Running right through now. all of them, man. We're gonna have our own ones that we're gonna talk about. I wanted to double up on Rek'Sai though, because so many pro players played a lot of Rek'Sai, uh -huh. even if her build is a little different now and mm -hmm. the scaling is different. If they have a chance to play Rek'Sai, we're going to see it coming back. People were trying to play that champ when it was terrible, and it's actually gotten some pretty substantial buffs yeah. before then. Yeah, I think Rek'Sai is actually just straight up really good now. Like, I think it's going to be pretty high priority because we like it's also not something where players have to relearn this champion. It essentially plays the same way. Yes, there is no like kind of farming or ultimate, but it, it's not a new kit that you're having to learn. There's no real learning curve on that. If you can play the old Rek'Sai, you can play the new Rek'Sai. It's very easy. And and like it that's has my problem all, the, with it, all the strengths. That's my that's my problem with it is that this is one that I think that will show up. I'm not excited to see her show up though. Yeah. Um because it's literally she's I've never been excited about she's Rek'Sai. She's just a bruiser she you know she has a dash and she has you know basically melee abilities so now oh you have this you know target ultimate you can possibly have an interesting outplay if you ultimate to dodge something mm -hmm. plus get a kill but that's the highest moment that i see from this champion and it's going to be mostly to me about were these changes you know where where her stats level is she just stronger in in straight up dueling positions mm -hmm. or uh you know is she just straight up weaker i still think lee sin elise and zach are going to be the top three but yeah I was I was really hopeful when I saw all these AD ratios. I was like, ah, maybe we're gonna get some assassin Rex side. That'd be kind of fun. But I've I realized the more I've been playing, yeah, you build a warrior, and then you're like, okay, it's yeah. time to go tank a little bit. And, and, but I mean, the thing is, it's like, and you can go kind of damage heavy. Like you, can, I've seen you know warrior black cleaver Titanic, but even then, it's not like you're gonna go full assassin. You're gonna go tank yeah. after that, and you're building more like bruiser, right? Like a fighter or whatever you want to say, not like actual assassin. Because I was I was kind of like, oh, maybe this would be pretty cool. Maybe you actually like, dive backline and you assassinate with this. Oh, you could go like ghost blade and like you know 
all this she, stuff. You know, and, she doesn't have enough you know, complexity to make that style work. You can't yeah. be just an all-in assassin. Yeah. You just dive to the back and then die. That that's useless for pro play, right? That that's yeah, just exactly. you, know, that's, you have to be like Zed or something, have a way back out, or you know, a little bit of sneaky like, little ways you can talent jumping over mm -hmm. walls and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The the locket plus stone play combo that people were talking about a lot. Uh, that really? is gonna be pretty interesting. Um, I do think like so while while I I do think it is very good. I also think that people are kind of overhyping it in some ways. I think that like. You know, there, when Cho'Gath with Stoneplay came out, people were like, oh, my gosh, so overpowered. And, like, when's the last time you saw that, right? Like, realistically. I actually no, never saw yeah, it. No the problem with the that strategy time. is you have to play Cho'Gath. Exactly. But the, 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 <laughs> thing, the thing with this is, as well, is, like, this, this can, it can be very good. Um, but I, ha I have felt like on a number of the champions that I would want to build this combo on, there's, like, other items I feel like are really core, or like, I want to get them first, or things like this Good. That, that sometimes can push you away from it. Mm -hmm. I will say if you can get to that and you can get in team fights, it's, it's crazy, like, especially against AoE-type stuff, like, yep. AoE burst, like, Orianna Shockwave or whatever. If you, as you a tank, it. if you can actually time it, you will essentially immune the Shockwave. You will absorb the entire Shockwave if you have this, this combo on a big tank for your carries, which is, like, nuts. So, like, yeah. I think that is really cool, and there is, like, high... You know, like outplay potential, if you want to say around that, because it decays very quickly. So that's obviously what they're trying to go for. If I use this perfectly timed, then it has a big impact. If I just press it to start a fight, it probably doesn't really matter. Um, so, I, so I do think that's kind of cool. But I, I think we might not actually see it as much as people think, because if yeah. you're thinking about like Gragas and for stuff, you still want spirit vision stuff. Exactly. For some context, we're talking about uh, generally Cinder Hulk, another big high item, potentially Warmogs. Then lock it, then gargoyle stone plate. Because if you then use your stone plate, which doubles your yeah. max health pool and the new scaling on lock it, you get a roughly two and a half thousand health shield, which decays over uh, two seconds. So, like you say, you have to do it perfectly. I'd like it on Zach. I feel like even though Zach got nerfs, uh, those are very smooth items for him to build. Mm -hmm. I think you could do it on Gragas. And I don't think the spear fistage is all that important because if you go Cinder Hulk, Warmogs, your gold investment is about the same as with cinder hulk visage you're still getting cdr depends, depends and you're still getting the health region out of combat so, i don't zach, zach zach i agree with zach i think is actually like you just took the jungler who's still the best in my opinion he's still the best jungler after the nerfs and then you gave him this thing that he can actually build into and it feels great uh for gragas though i mean People people almost never want to go Cinder Hulk because they want like they want Runic Echoes for early clear and for like you know some more damage potential if and going stuff. Runic Echoes, Gragas, you're not doing this build in my yeah. Opinion. I know I'm, yeah. that's my point, and and that's what people go in pro like 99 percent of the time. Like, I saw people, Cinder Hulk twice last week in NA alone. People people almost always go Runic Echoes. I feel like if if you look at like the, more the than the half the count, time they do, but not almost always and 99. percent It's like it's like a massive majority. Like I would be happy to look through this, <laughs> but <laughs> by the way, like I, I don't think that yeah. you're very rarely going to see that. And for for top lane Gragas, like I actually do think Spirit Vestige and stuff is very important because like mm -hmm. the sustain and stuff through passive is more important since so you have more gold. Um, yep, top there, there are there are certainly champions that you can build it on, but like the the main one that I feel like it's super abusable on right now is Zach and yep. and past that there's there's not a ton of champions that I'm seeing do it um because it's pretty expensive I so Nunu is def I mean you're not a ton of champions or whatever Nunu this Nunu is can built for do Nunu well. do you think we'll and, see him in competitive and I don't like you know to constantly uh bring it up but Nunu right now is so oppressive that I think that we should see it in competitive yeah um I know that yeah. most of the junglers don't like that play style most junglers that make it to the LCS level, like, are super good with Lee Sin and super good with Assassins mm -hmm. and Snowballing, and they like going for ganks, and, and people do not enjoy the new, new lifestyle. 
but new the new lifestyle now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even just a playstyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta it's live a way it. of life. It, it really is. You yeah. kind of have to get into that mindset. Uh, <laughs> I just. I just think that it, it's so strong right now that you sh you should be incorporating it if you really want to go for the wins right now. I do think that he's going to get nerfed. Well, I feel also, like if you go Cinderhulk Warmogs and you're doing the Stoneborn Pack Master, you're healing for more because your max health is higher. Exactly, so even more synergies. Exactly, there are synergies already built in. I still don't like Warmogs. I don't. I think you don't need. You don't have to go Warmogs. <laughs> I actually think that item is amazing. I, I, I it's think really good I think on Mundo. I think it's definitely a waste. It, it, Cinder Hulk Warmogs, and you're hitting the max health threshold. You, so if you're ever disengaging from a fight, your health, you, full health you is don't need. Safe. You don't need that much health. You don't need that much health. health uh, res resistances are so much better that early. Just don't play like the the value of resistances for for Nunu who already has health multipliers and Cinder Hulk mm -hmm. uh, is is too. Too, too much at that point. Anyways, that's 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 beside <laughs> the point. But uh, I I do think that um, we might see him come out in competitive play if if teams really want to uh, you know grind out those victories. Yeah, that's interesting. And I do agree completely. Like that Nunu works very well. I was thinking more competitive. And I'm not sure if we will. Like it's one of there's there's oftentimes there's like I do feel pretty strongly that for the most part, if something's super overpowered and solo queue, it should be in competitive. Like I do mm -hmm. think the transition and that, is that is takes easier. a long yeah. Time I mean, there, there's a yeah, difference exactly. between should it be there and will it be there. That's like the Malzahar thing. I think Malzahar was like disgustingly broken. Too bad he's getting nerfed on this patch. Uh, well, <laughs> he's already he's, nerfed. He's on still. His win, exactly, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the win rate is still insane. But but I mean, I, like I was like uh, this for sure on 7-Eleven should have been in there. We saw like. A couple games, mm -hmm. you know. I maybe remember, Isaiah was just wrong. Uh, maybe <laughs> I mean it also had like a near sixty percent experience win rate or something. Like it was broken, I think. Um, but that that that's that'll be interesting. And and I mean, I I think that the combo, like the locket combo, is is something that's so like obvious when you see it and feels so almost feels so wrong when you see it because it's mm -hmm. a couple thousand HP that it absorbs that um, people are sensationalizing it. I just yeah. don't know if we're going to see a ton of it in LCS because I don't think Zach's going to get through pick and ban very often. Nope. And I'm not convinced we'll see Nunu. And I don't know who past that will build it besides full tanks later into the game. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, it's very clear that it has shifted from a support item to a tank item. Yep. Right? And I, that, you can do that was their goal. Right? Like that, was their, support. that was their goal with the change. Tom, yeah, Tom Kench, if you get to a tank position, like he's actually a tank. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it has been shifted from the shield stacking mm -hmm. with all the multipliers over to a tank item. Um, yes, there are tank supports, Azale, so you could cover both bases. But yeah. uh, I, and I think that was our design goal, and I think they they did that well um, as far as the exact yeah. tuning. I, I think that short shortening the shield duration was a, a good way to tune it. Yeah. So, Speaking about the supporty guys, do you think we're going to see much redemption in competitive? Because I feel like or Zeke's convergence. Okay, so I don't <laughs> even see that item. <laughs> no, 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 no. That as item. far as support items, I think the king support item right now is the ardent sensor. Yeah, ardent sensor is godlike, and and my, like I think redemption is really good after that. But it feels very rare in competitive play that a support gets, you know, their upgraded boots, their upgraded sightstone, their ardent sensor, and then also their redemption. Like, there's not a ton of games where supports have a lot of money because they spend even more time so, roaming and stuff, and they spend so much gold on warding. I feel like I, I'm actually, I, I do think ardent sensor is king and should have been seen for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been saying that for weeks, but I think even with you get credit, thanks, man. With <laughs> wind speakers. And the other masteries that can enhance shielding. Yeah. I think first item redemption on someone like that is still all right. I actually think it's fine. And then it's going to only get better throughout the game as far as scaling perspective goes. So I think redemption is kind of dead on, you know, Tom Kench or Tarek or someone like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do feel <laughs> like if you're going a Windspeaker's guy, 
it's still a fine first item. So, like, I'm curious, though, like, you know, Karma Karma has been hit uh, yep. by Karma, a fair nerf, yeah. right? So, so we'll like, see less redemption because of that, yeah. more so than because of the redemption. So change. that's what I mean. Like, like who's who in competitive is going to, like, build this item first that's going to be seen a lot still, right? I, I, think I still think that Ardent into, into redemption is, is super good. That's what I think, yeah. right? But like, redemption first, I'm just curious, like, what champion right. do you think in competitive will build redemption first that's going to be meta still? Yeah, I'd rather see Nami. Lulu, maybe. Or Lulu is nerfed. I mean... What have you guys run into the the karma mids who were going redemption builds with like an Athenes later on? No, I had not seen that. I'm not good. I'm trying to that. figure out if it's good because it still gets to 250 or 300 AP, and then the shields are just insane because mm -hmm. you're going sensor locket. Um, sorry, sensor Athenes as well as redemption, and then you're you're multiplying in a lot of different ways because you're getting a bunch of AP. But yeah. uh, maybe we'd see it there if people want to go full supporty. But that's another one of those things like mid laners aren't built to think that way or, yeah. or play that way. Yeah, I actually really the. The nerfs of Karma shields are significant. Twenty at max rank. Yeah. Um, and that's before all the multipliers. So it ends up being more than twenty after you take into account all your, you know, end game. And her and her stuff. win rate you know. is in the dirt pretty pretty hard, especially when you consider like like I I pool her in one of the easy champions. Like when you look at like oh yeah man, uh, Azir has kind of a low win rate. Well, that's a different a bit of a different story. But when like shielding support like pretty basic support has yeah, a low Azir win rate, takes some skill. Karma, yeah, not so much, right? <laughs> and so it's like when I see Karma at like forty six percent win rate as an easy champion, I'm like, well, that's kind of like ooh, this champion probably sucks. Like yeah, you know, because when you look at like Sona, like super easy support or Jana and things like that, they're like always like you know in the fifties and stuff, right? Um, and so I do think when the win rate gets that low, the champion probably isn't that good anymore. Might not be worth picking, even though it has been a mainstay and competitive for so long. And quite frankly, I'm okay with that. I'm like, I've seen so much karma and competitive. Yep. I don't think uh. it's interesting to watch at all. And it's it's also you know, this is kind of part two of that is that it's very hard to tell how good a support is from from an observing point of view. I think oftentimes when they are playing karma, like it can, it can be harder to discern like the difference. She was already on her way out because everybody's playing Rakan and stuff yeah. now. So good, good riddance. Good riddance. Very deep, is Kobe. Good on I'm I'm done with supports. <laughs> Talk to me about some Mundo, because I saw both of you Mundo. playing Mundo recently. Yeah, so <laughs> you're both in love with it, yeah. with your personal solo queue. Uh, I have this constant struggle uh, <laughs> since I haven't really played that much League in the past year because I've been recovering from the wrist surgery. That whenever I pick up a champion that I used to play, I I almost overrate it. I'm just like, yeah, this champion feels great mm -hmm. because I actually know how to play it. And for Mundo, there are things that are pretty good. This is the guy where you go. Cinderhulk Warmogs, absolutely, because you can spam all your health, you can W all the time. His clear speeds are actually insane. Uh, you can do, you start W, you go- This is a sidebar, yeah. I feel like actually insane is this the new insane? And everybody's, we're gonna uh, have yeah. to have another level pretty soon? Yeah, super every, mega actually insane. All, the, all those insane. Reddit posts used to be like insane play, but now every actually Reddit post is play. actually insane play. Yeah. So soon we'll have, uh, uh -huh. <laughs> Factually true, certifiably actually, yeah. accurate, insane. Right. Uh, continue. His, continue. His clear is really good. Yeah. Uh, you start oh. W at Raptors, and then you obviously go Q second. But you can just do Raptors. Are you going Talisman then? Red, probably Krugs. You definitely go yeah. Talisman. You go Raptors, Red Krugs. You don't even need to pull. Two minute thirty second done. Right. I have not found a jungler that is faster <laughs> at a three camp as Mundo. Uh, and then if you want, you have the flexibility to start at the buff with Cleaver and still clear pretty fast and then go W second if you yeah. want to like support your top lane or top lane. But no one else can clear at that speed. So I'm almost always getting a level advantage on the enemy jungler and it lines up really well with counter jungling raptors or any of those sort of things. That's why when we saw the buffs to W and the flat damage increase mm -hmm. at level His one, AD, yeah. I was like, oh man, he's gonna be able to abuse all the AOE camps. That's what I like best about your route, yeah. is you're absolutely getting the maximum out of AOE. Yeah. You start like, the 
usually shitty because people don't start with level one AOE, but mm -hmm. Mundo does. It's kind of the the Shivana thing where they were had a hard time figuring out how to nerf her because her AOE was so insane. The the other thing I, I would say is uh, because of some of the like the AD buffs and like the W buff and stuff, his dueling if you go challenging like challenging Smite is actually pretty strong. Like mm -hmm. you can actually duel some of the strong dueling champions um, pretty reasonably well. And like you can take neutral objectives very quickly with the, the cleaver. This is exactly uh, what I expected when I asked the. Tell like, me yeah, he's pretty good, but, but I he's say, a guy that I've can do playing... Cinderhawk, Warmogs, Locket, Stoneplay. Yeah, that was that was like really my well. second game I played at jungle recently. I've been playing uh, pretty much still only top lane, yeah. and and for top lane, like Mundo, I think is is in similar place. I still think like if you're talking like competitive and stuff, the only way he would exist is like as a rumble. counter pick. Yeah, like Rumble, yeah. and I think he hard smashes Rumble now because he ha like I do think he's helped by some of the itemization changes and his individual buffs, so I think that is good. Um, but I mean, like, Mundo, Mundo's problem is still what Mundo's problem has been. It's, it's people spend 800 gold and they counter your champion. Like, it's Executioner's Calling. Yeah. Like, that that item smashes you so hard to the point where it's like, even if you're, you know, out farming them super heavily and stuff, champions who can itemize easily into this, like, if you're playing against, like, I don't know, I see, like, Yasuo's and Riven's and, I don't like, know, any Hennen, AD like, champion. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> all, all these champions just buy it early against you in lane, and it's like, oh, sweet. You're up like 60 CS, but now your whole kit is around regen and you don't have regen anymore. So yeah. what do you do? Even at level six, I don't think his alt heals for that much without yeah. execution. I, I literally use you need the, to be level the ult for so trading or, yep. or just sustain in the jungle and stuff or the move speed. Anyway, Kobe, how you doing? You're not playing Mundo? How's your solo queue? No, I'm not. Nunu and lifestyle? That's why I did like I waited a while to to bring up Nunu because mm -hmm. I'm sure he's going to get nerfs. I don't want to accelerate the nerfs, but he's definitely gonna get nerfed. Exactly. Uh more it's thing. funny because last week I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm just playing Nunu and Warwick. Right now, they sh they're number one and two win rates. Yeah. <laughs> just shut up. And Nunu's experience is always so much higher, even though he is like a very easy mechanically. Yeah. Because he requires like uh it's actually funny, he was one of them. Like the mastery curves was one of the steepest for him yeah. because even though people are like, oh, well, you just press snowball. It was the and same it. thing with uh, Udir, and people thought Udir was knowing so where simple. to go. Yeah. Knowing where to go is is really complicated, and the decisions and stuff like I know where around Nunu. If if you're actually a really good Nunu, it means you understand jungling, you understand counter jungling, you understand how to keep your opponents down. No, okay, okay. I, was, I was supposed to be ranting about Nunu. You need to calm right. down, right. boy. Right. Go ahead. We're talking go about ahead. Udir as well. He's terrible right uh, now. No, I'm not talking about Udir. because Udir I think the nerfs are coming for both my champions. Right yeah. now, uh, I think I might make my push. Uh, so I might, I'll probably gonna be depressed Go next week, you guys, because mm -hmm. every time I push for masters, I fail. And or I, I are you gonna see. change your name back to Rye Kobe for the promo? Only again? if I make it. Only if I only make if it. You make it. La Rye last Kobe's time I did a premature appear, name appear change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I when I got my my series, I was like, I'm making it because I won like five <laughs> games in a row to proc yeah. my masters. Yeah, and you were popping off too. And I was like, yeah. yeah, all right. So I changed my name back. You're like oh three, oh three promo. The funny thing about that. Uh, is you can't change your name to Riot yeah, Kobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to ask someone in player support to do it for you, <laughs> and then you lost the promos and change it back right away. Yeah. So you didn't want to go back to him and be like, can you change it again? Because you'd be like, dude, why are you changing your name so much? But Because I sense. keep failing. <laughs> I, I can I can relate. I, I like it sometimes playing uh, with people that can recognize you, but mm -hmm. it does get a little taxing when every game is like, let's talk to Jet and let's be super That's positive. That's the thing. That's why uh, you're you're like, oh, how can we you know, haven't tried on your main again? Uh, I was uh, my third game of the last promos mm -hmm. which was like last month or something i haven't yeah. even tried since then i play one game every uh, 30 days now the last game was against tobias fate and he was streaming and yeah. we were smashing them and then he this gangplank scaling and he absolutely like crushed our team fight or whatever <laughs> and like made me uh, lose my last game at my promos oh, no. and so i was just like That's I'm, tragic. I'm not playing anymore so i just smurfed it for, for a while but i'm i'm reinvigorated mm -hmm. i'm gonna try again and, new new uh, lifestyle yeah we'll see
But let's move on to LCS, NLCS, yeah. Talk about some actual pros who are actually good at the game. What, else, what are we starting with? Phoenix uh, won, I guess? Yeah, I want to start with Mike Young for the North American LCS. We'll get to the top three teams in a little bit because... Mike, Mike Young, Young. Typical uh, North American jungler. Most hyped North American jungler who has yet to win a series, I feel like. Because <laughs> he lost both series. Phoenix won is still winless. They're 0-6. Uh, but Mike Young was pretty cool because the first time we mentioned Mike Young, we were, we were the first on the story. Kobe go, saw him us. on Bjergsen's stream mm-hmm. and said he wasn't good. Yeah, we yeah. heard the In dive the actually game. brought him up before mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. everybody else. However, upon a little bit of research and Phoenix One telling us, he <laughs> has been in Challenger since he was 13 years old. His win rates are also absurd. On his main account, his win rates are around 70%. He has 200 wins and less than 100 losses, Yeah, which is pretty insane. And he got to play at least in the LCS as well as a bunch of other stuff. And he looked good in most of his games. Yeah. Uh, I will say, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, he looks so good in the LCS. Uh, they were doing a lot to set him up. Like, he got some really nice pulls. Mm-hmm. He actually, I think he got, like, double pulls on, like, every single buff. Like, he started on buffs and stuff instead of, like, the the Raptors, which yeah. um, is going to, like, accelerate your early game. But beyond that, he actually made really good choices to me. And, and I feel like that's something that, especially in young junglers, especially in, you know, your rookie games or whatever, mm-hmm. it's going to be difficult to make those choices to go for these invades and go for some of the riskier moves where you're like, uh, 80% chance that the enemy jungler is, you know, bottom side on Krugs right now, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go for this invade. He Every time he would make that call if it, if it was like a high percentage, uh, but you're not quite sure to work with someone. So yeah. uh, I, I definitely think that it is promising, even though the, I also feel like they helped him, uh, you know, quite a bit. I think it's actually pretty smart, though, when you think about it, to ease the transition in, into competitive jungling mm-hmm. because he hadn't had that experience, right? So uh, that's the more of the play style that you have, I think, in solo queue. You're more often going to get those leashes and get that help. So allow the guy to play the game that he is used to and that is giving him success in solo queue and hope that he can transition it to the LCS. And it, and it worked relatively well. And, mm-hmm. you know, over time, perhaps they can they can adjust that or change it. Or maybe they discover that, hey, in some cases, actually is worth giving him this edge if he can abuse the other jungler or, or do something so, uh, more because of that. Is Mike Young going to make Phoenix One great again? No. <laughs> they play Echo Fox and Team Liquid next week, so they could pick up. Phoenix One is depressing, man. Like yeah. I don't even know what happened. <laughs> oh, also, like, we need to start referring to Mike Young as rookie of the split. Mike Young. Yeah, that's something. I was wondering what other rookies we have this split even. How about we just call him only rookie of the split, Mike? Young. He's gonna win rookie of the split most likely. He's yeah, gonna win like, another rookie. Is there, uh, no, it's just him. There is no one. If Nisky okay, so comes in and plays for Envy, then he'd be the other rookie. Ooh, Ooh there you go. Then it's a two horse race. Then it's competition. But I just think it's. P1, like, all their issues to me scream of, like, organizational problems and, like, team environment problems and stuff because it just seems so bizarre to me that, like, each individual player feels like they're sucking and they were doing really well before. Like, Arrow's not doing well. Ryu, yesterday he had some great games, you know, like but, like, in general, Ryu is not doing well. Zig has looked really bad. Like, everyone is looking bad and it just feels like something has gone wrong whether it's with coaching or or their like their attitudes are all in the dumps because they're losing their confidence or whatever it is it just seems shocking to me that this team that looks so solidly the third place team last split is now just getting slammed by everyone and it's like in a lot of these games they're not even showing signs of life like it's weird i like the strategy talk them down as much as possible so when they win at rift rivals well, I mean, slam if they we're, win we're at Rip really, Rapples, that would be hilarious. We're going like this on We're like, yeah, Mike Young. Oh, so good for a rookie. Yeah, I love this. Mm-hmm, they're doing a good job helping think, him out with pulls and stuff. I think oh, they, pick I their, they pick up their first one next week. I think they're going to slow. Yeah. They, they are not going to end the split in 10. How do you feel about they're the trail? Oh, so. of, Can they even uh, make playoffs, you think? 
Yeah. Do you think they will? We're only a third of the way through the split. How, how do you feel about the trail of bodies that they're I don't think, with I don't these know uh, failed substitutes? We got Stunt, Shady, and Inori. They're all just forgotten. Yo, uh, in the was, darkness. Was, now, stunt, what was Stunt failed? That's the one that made me start questioning a lot of the P1 stuff. That's what I'm stuff. talking about. They're stunt just, was yeah. owning. He, he was like 8-2 and two or 9-2 and two or something, and then they got rid of him, and they have been doing awful. Maybe like maybe they should have kept Stunt. I don't know. All of them, they're like, go to sleep. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> but, now There's you, Anori. Bye bye. What about what about Anori too? I feel like people people <laughs> do not talk about Anori that much. Like I feel like he had such a meteoric rise, and everyone was so high on him yeah. as like the lone carry god. Yeah, I love he was it. in the NLCS. Yeah. One of the best moments year. ever. The rain guard thing. Yeah. Taking out and then and then it's just like it felt like uh, he has lost his confidence since they started summing him out and stuff. And ever since he came back, it has not felt like he has been the same player or reached the same highs. Um, like this was a guy that talking about you know jungle talent in NA. Inori was a guy that I thought was going to be one of the best junglers in the league for years to come, and and now he's getting he's getting replaced by Mike Young, you know, and that to me is surprising. Like yeah. like from the trajectory of this guy, he looked like he was going to be really. I good. would just say I would like to see Phoenix One do one of those like reality shows or whatever or whatever they're called. The, the like things the game that, cribs. Yeah, like the like the TSM one, one or like TSM uh, most of the teams do them now. Like they, they have a lot of different games. Like, yeah, yeah. Those, those types of things. I would love. I would oh actually tune into the Phoenix Ones. So I see what's going on. So much I want to know about that team. I want a like a thirty-minute interview with Inori, like a year from now, a tell-all of what's happened to his career. The Dunzo Manifesto Part Two. Let's talk about some happier things, though. Stunt is now in Immortals as a sub. That's cool. Yeah. But mainly we're talking about the top three teams in America. Oh, slick! Let's talk about Immortals. Immortals, COG, and Team Dignitas are all five and one. So technically, they are the first place teams in North America. What is making them win? And will they sustain their excellence or will they get caught by people like so, TSM and C9? I definitely think a lot of uh, the wins right now are super unreliable. Because yeah. we've been talking about, uh, you know, how close a lot of these teams are, how close a lot of the series are, um, you know, with a lot of the three games as well. Um, it's it's incredibly difficult, actually, to, you know, you know, predict performances of the players and of the teams themselves. Uh, what's really holding a lot of these teams together, um, you know, is that, they're really solidifying as far as their communication and like their team bonding it has been kind of like the the theme for these guys. And mm-hmm. and all of them have been like, oh, yeah, we trust each other so much. Mm-hmm. You know, we added X player to this team or, you know, we changed our shot calling in this way. And and when it when it comes down to these like crunch moments, right, the, these barons that are really, really risky or, you know, base races and stuff like that, um, they seem to be coming out out on top with, yeah. with this little bit of extra. Yeah, I mean, Immortals had the clutch Baron steal from X Smithy, otherwise they lose that, that series. Pretty sick. Uh, now, that, this is an insane Baron steal. Now they have to play COD and Team Nigatos this next week, so we're going to see a shakeup, and we, we kind of get this almost every split where there's a number of teams that are kind of high in the standings, yeah. and inevitably, one, maybe two of them stay up there, and then the rest of them turn into pumpkins. I I, th- I think that these, these are three good teams. I... Would not be surprised if none of them are in the top two by the end of the split. Like I think that because of the inconsistencies that we've seen, you know, it very easily could end up being just Cloud9 and TSM at the top again. But I do think that um like I feel relatively confident in saying that we have a closer top half mm-hmm. than we did last split. Mm-hmm. Uh for all the talk of parity last split. It does feel like a team like, you know, CLG, whether they finish, you know, third or fourth or second or whatever or first, uh, could take down some of those other teams in playoffs and stuff. But, you know, t- to look at, t- at CLG, it's like they have had some really inconsistent games and stuff where they've, like, you know, thrown huge leads and then had to come back and, and things like this. And I don't think we've seen a consistent team. That's, that's my yeah. thing, right? I, yeah. We don't have a consistent, uh, you know, victor, and that's why 
that's why it is so close at the top, and that's why it is so close for most of the league, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you I, think they're going to end up down at the top? to like six. So here's uh, the thing: it de- depends oh, on what you're defining as top. Yeah, uh, the top of the three, I think I'd stack rank them: CLG Immortals, Team Dignitas as most likely to succeed or, yeah. or, or more likely to fail because I, I still don't have that much faith in Team Dignitas's bottom side of the map. Uh, they may they not even add more subs. They though, to the add more right. subs. They can potentially put in uh, Alltech and the Phoenix One Outcast. Uh, what? Which Adrian? one? Adrian? I was going to say, which Adrian? one? He's another Stunts one of the Immortals. They bodies. can always swap him in. Uh, <laughs> Phoenix One's, I don't know, Mercenary Squad. Anyway, uh, COG has the most experience. I feel like they're the strongest from top to bottom, yeah. like every single performer. And then when I look at Immortals, even though they haven't looked like uh, an all star team in any sense, the way they are succeeding, while they do have good teamwork, is also with lots of individual outplays. I think Flame has really stepped up this split. I think Cody Sun is consistently winning lane. Ole, Ole was already really good. And Ole, Ole was, was already good really good. All of last split, yeah. I had him as second best support in the league. So their individual talent is, I think, a lot higher than people give them credit for right now. Uh, and then, you know, Team Dingatoss, I still think, is winning a lot off of kind of Shrimp and Someday, and they're the least reliable for me. Yeah, I think the important part uh, is especially the bottom lane, because in the North American LCS, I feel like our bottom lane is actually probably one of the weakest uh, areas as far as the the league-wide because mm-hmm. we have a bunch of imports to shore up the uh, mid lane. Yep. And, well, uh, is the best NA mid lane. <laughs> and, and a lot of our best bot lanes aren't doing well for this split. That's why I'm saying yeah. the, the bottom lane itself is probably the weakest right now um, as far as any of the areas. Uh, for Team Dignitas, I would say I'm just so uh, high on Sunday right now just because mm-hmm. um, I'm probably I'm we're, we're biased by like which games we casted uh, specifically and so uh, we saw like a lot more of those teams, but I feel like I cast a lot of Sunday recently, mm-hmm. and he was a, he's just been smashing yeah pretty much everywhere on any type of champion, uh, and I just think that he is a, just so good right now. I do I do have some similar worries as far as like you know h- how Team Dignitas are actually going to integrate those subs, but mm-hmm. you know, I think it does bode well. And I, I'm excited for a world in which like. My my big hope for the split is that we can get to a point where we have competitive quarterfinals, right? Like, because I I feel like a lot of the time the quarterfinals and stuff are not very competitive because some of the teams like kind of squeaked in. Like when you think about Envy, like a couple splits ago, I guess when they got in as the sixth place team and then Dignitas. Yeah, if we did it right now, split, they, it, we would definitely have. Yeah, so that that's what I'm hoping that we can maintain because I think if you get the playoffs and quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals are all like in a position where they can be close, exciting series, like that's going to be so good, um, both for for the cast and stuff and for the fans, right? Like that's really compelling when every playoff series could go either way. Yeah. So I'm really hoping for that kind of uh, parity to continue. Totally agree. Twitter questions? Let's, Let's do get it. it. All right. First Twitter question from Grant Grant Postma. Uh, how do you feel about one, the pace of competitive right now with first mm-hmm. turret gold slash Trist Herald and the objective balancing? Uh I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think that first herd is not like it, it, a while ago, like when it first came out, I felt like, oh God, they got it. We lost the game. If it was on like a, a Fiora or something like that, that's my reaction now, to every change they make. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I feel like it's it's not that crazy. Like, I, like first hurt is is a nice advantage, but it doesn't feel um, game deciding. I don't. At least I don't get that feeling in my games anymore that we've lost if we do it. And and Rift Herald feels like uh, it's actually going down in priority the more I play with it and the more I see it. I'm I feel like both the changes feeling. are interesting. Yeah. I feel like they made the game more interesting. I have more things to think about. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like either of them are game-breaking. Uh, Rift Herald, to me, is... So here, here's here's how I like to explain it. So it, it actually, because it takes so long to take, um, it'd be similar if you were just free attacking a tower. Like mm-hmm. if you had two people and you had some alone time with a tower, it might take you a little bit longer to take down that tower, but like 
that's about as much as a, of, of an investment as it is yeah. to take down the Rift Herald. So the advantage of it I, is that you can like clear vision around it, right? You can't clear yeah. vision around towers. So it's like, mm. it's kind of interesting where you can invest the time to take the turret somewhere else and then try and utilize your Rift Herald um, on a different place yeah. in the map. Besides that though, it, it's not gonna, to me, ever have a bigger impact than like a turret and a half. So would you say you've been you've been keeping it as a pretty high priority? I mean, as someone who's playing I, a lot. I've of been new playing right? new new, so I get it almost every game. Yeah. yeah. So you are going to get it as new new though, because he kills yeah. so yeah. fast. Yeah. I get it's easier for him. I get it almost every game. I, I personally, I like the balancing of it right now, uh, and I will still generally put the Rift Herald higher than defending a turret that may or may not fall. Right. I don't want to give up a full turret for it, but if mm. it's a choice between hey, a turret's at a mm -hmm. third health and you're gonna give it up for getting the Rift Herald, I take the Rift Herald. So is this from jungle point of view only or is this from laning point of view? Because I'm thinking about like everything you know, like, I say is from jungle. Okay. Like you, you as <laughs> yeah. well, probably because yeah. I'm I'm thinking about like if I'm if I'm thinking, do I want to defend my turret and like and lose waves or go for this? As a top laner, there's no chance. It, I don't even think you have to make that choice as a top laner though. Well, you you do like I do think you you kind of sometimes have to, uh, if it's like somewhat contestable. But like yeah. usually the only time I'm doing this in top lane is if I'm smashing. I, and or if I can get a kill and help my jungler do I, it, it's so hard to judge that call because it yeah. depends on where all the champions on the game in the game are right yep. now, like both my team and their team. Plus, as Jack brought up, the health of that turret, right? Yeah. How much turret are you actually saving? Yeah. Well, for me as a laner, I'm not. I'm not. I'm worried less about that and more about losing experience. Usually, if I go for it, because like you know, staying in lane and staying relevant in experience is. Don't worry. I'm new. New. I'll take care of it myself, See, bro. That, that's what I need. See? I need more nudes on my team. <laughs> I'm an independent. All my junglers are just spam pinging me. Come, come, so, come, Rift Hail. It's actually funny. Come like, every single jungler can solo it. The, I know. The new Rift Hail doesn't, doesn't do anything. They don't, don't want to spend their time there, though. That's the thing. So like everyone begs you to come help, yeah. and like. And it feels very punishing oftentimes for me to leave unless, unless like, if the jungler wants help, I feel like the jungler needs to come to my lane, we kill the person, then I will help you do this. Or help I, will, help you. I will take the solo goal on a turret while you do it yeah. by yourself still. But I, I literally never asked for anyone to come help me because I Perfect like, jungler right here. Plays like, Nunu, comes my lane, blood boils me, yeah, yeah, solo yeah. the Rift Herald. Go ahead and play that Yasuo. I yeah, got you, bro. Thank you. Uh, I feel like it doesn't, because so much of the speed is on proccing the eye, and proccing the eye mm. is is a timed thing where mm. I'm already blood boiled Nunu. I'm getting off the auto attacks to, to lower the cooldown and get it to reopen. Um, it doesn't even help me, uh, you know, increase the speed with which I take it that much. It definitely yeah. does, but I think I sometimes people are just scared that someone's going to come and they're going to yep. get killed at, yeah. when they're there. Sometimes by I just die there. It's fine. It's That's fine. unlucky. I'm cool. okay with that. Next word of question: David Petterly. How do you pronounce that name, Isaac? Peterly, I I master Peterly. This guy sent us a lot of questions. Thank you very much for that. Uh, who have been some of the most influential people in the scene? Players I feel like that was our Hall of Fame, our Hall of Fame discussion mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, yeah, I feel like we did that one. But but like you know, there, there's as far as it depends where you're looking, right? Like if you yep. want to look worldwide, everyone's gonna say Faker, everyone's gonna say Coma, everyone's gonna say stuff like that. But like, I think you just have to look not much further than like the like a lot of the the biggest names, a lot of people who have shaped the game. Wei Zhao, PDD, Messiah, yeah. Uzi, even like guys like that. I think. Want to balance out? You know, go, keep going. Um, you know, for EU, it's got like to me like guys like like Frog Shushay <laughs> with the Gragas cosplay season my, one. My my favorite gif of all time, him knocking over what's his name in the 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 belly slam. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing I'd want to add to that discussion as far as, like, influential, I'd say people like I'm a Cutie Pie are actually highly influential. Yeah. Uh, they get so many... Just look at the popularity of the Delta Fox stream. No, no question they, about they it. They carry so much weight and power, especially uh, the ADC in 2017 meme, I feel like was mostly perpetuated by... The so team. would you say then Sneaky and stuff is one of the most influ influential players as someone who has been consistently successful in... Uh, yes. in as an editor And yes. streamers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Kyle Chapman at KD. JD Chapman, when to pick different item into different matchup as support. 
basically like ancient coin versus spell thief. When would you do that on Janna or Lulu? So to, to me, the, the TLDR with that is like, I, I feel like spell thieves, if, you, if you're talking about Janna, use that example, mm-hmm. right? You should be doing this in a lane where you can be safely auto attacking and stuff, right? Like I, I feel like in general, if you're if you're playing against Zyra or something like that, and you're gonna lose all your trades if you go up in auto, then you're not gonna be getting the most out of it. You should be going with the more passive item. It's based on the playstyle that you have to adopt in the lane. If I'm playing Janna into a Braum, I'm sitting there right clicking him the whole lane. I'll have my spell thieves on cooldown. I'll be getting the bonus damage, but like like to me, that's more what it's about. Um, whereas if if I have to play very scared, I'd rather go with the more the more passive approach. I'd rather have a coin. Yeah, I, it's it's exactly that, and I feel like also incorporating your AD into it. Like, yep. do am I laning yep. with a vein? Okay, or Caitlyn. Exactly, I'm going well, super super. I don't think coin is a defensive build anymore. That's the weird. The thing. pickup range is longer now. The pickup range. And yeah, even I've, that, actually, I've actually seen a lot of people it. take it into losing matchups now. It's and you yeah, think it's better there? Yeah, because um, they buff the pickup range. So okay. it's, oh, it's I just think that though. you're not going to get much out of your spell thieves unless you have like something super long, super long range to. Plus, if you're low on experience, getting the extra skill point is more useful. And and I always play melee, though, so I get targets and 100. And the people, the people that you take spell thieves on in losing matchups, or you should, are the ones that like it's not really a thought process. It's not like oh Zyra, do I want to take coin? Like you always take spell thieves. But the ones that are in between, it's just based on how much pressure do you have in this lane? How safe are you to trade? If you will lose your trade every time you're trying to get your spell thief procs, I don't think you should be taking spell thieves. I think you should take coin. All right. Thank you very much for the Twitter questions, guys. That'll wrap up episode 12 of The Dive. Uh, Remember that we will be out every Wednesday, fingers Fingers crossed, crossed. on YouTube and various podcast platforms, uh, SoundCloud as well as generally where the main podcast people hit us up. Uh, So you're welcome to either watch or listen to us, whatever floats your boat. Also, continue to send us questions. We'll continue to ask for them on Twitter, but uh, it's always nice when we just get those in in the middle of the week and we can think about them a little bit more. Yeah, definitely appreciate those. And also to remember to check us out this Friday at 3 p.m. when the NALCS kicks off. Immortals taking on CLG for the battle for first place. Good game.